Welcome to the Virginia Hospital and Healthcare Association's Patients Come First podcast series, which can be heard on VHHA.com, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and wherever you get podcasts. We're a member of the Public Health Podcast Network, the Virginia Audio Collective, the World Podcast Network, and the Family Podcast Network. And we're on the radio each Saturday at noon and Sunday at 10 a.m. on 100.5 FM, 92.7 FM, 107.7 FM, and 820 a.m. across Central Virginia, and 1650 a.m. in Hampton Roads, and Wednesdays at 1 p.m. on 93.9 FM in Richmond. Please send any questions, comments, or feedback to pcfpodcast at vhha.com. That's pcfpodcast at vhha.com. I'm Selena Lorth, VHHA, and today we're excited to be joined by Dr. Connor Berlin, a neurosurgery resident with UVA Health, for a conversation about his recent experience volunteering in Ukraine and treating soldiers and patients impacted by the ongoing war there. We'll hear about that in just a moment, but first, welcome to the show, Dr. Berlin. Thanks for being with us. Yeah, thank you for having me. I'm excited to be here. Well, thank you again. So let's start by getting to know you a little better, aside from your clinical work and your recent exploits overseas, which we'll discuss in more detail momentarily. Beyond those experiences, what are some essential things people should know about you? I think I'm just a normal guy. I am from New York originally, moved down to Charlottesville for my residency, but I've done all my schooling up at New York, Cornell for undergrad, and then med school was in Brooklyn. The transition to Charlottesville was definitely different than New York City, but I have very quickly come to love Virginia. I love the people and the whole Charlottesville community and community outside of Charlottesville. So very, very, very happy here and very pleased with my training so far at University of Virginia. It's a really great institution. Awesome. That's great to hear. For some context to our listeners, Dr. Berlin, you recently spent your vacation time volunteering in war-torn Ukraine at the Meshnikov Hospital in the city of Dnipro, which is less than 70 miles from the combat front lines. It's my understanding that you have some personal family ties to Ukraine. Can you share some of that background with us and explain how it inspired you to volunteer to travel across the world to offer your medical services in a war zone? Yes, so I am Jewish, and my family... So we have a very good sort of recorded biography of our epic of fleeing from Ukraine. So around the Russian Revolution, around 1918, there are massive pogroms, which are just, you can basically say the genocide against ethnic minorities in Ukraine, Jews being, I'd say, the primary target, but there are other groups as well. And our family basically was persecuted in Kyiv. My great-great-great-uncle and his sons were murdered there, and his wife, who we just called Grandma Lily, my family, obviously, she's not my grandmother, she's my great-great-great-grandmother, was forced to flee the country and gave birth on the way to the United States. And we have been in the United States ever since then. So I think that going back to Ukraine was very surreal for me. I'd say that I felt this urge and this calling to go back to the nation of my ancestors ever since this war broke out to try and help them. Obviously, Ukraine has one of the lowest rates of anti-Semitism now in Eastern Europe, and I have not experienced any anti-Semitism when I went there at all. The people are very generous, kind, welcoming, and that's a little bit about my sort of background and one of the partial reasons that I went there. Thank you so much for sharing that. 
And how long were you in the country during your travels? So I am permitted three weeks of vacation as a resident. That's just the policy. The only way I would be permitted to go to the country is if I used my vacation time. It is what it is. I would have liked to have stayed for longer, but unfortunately, as residents, we are government employees, and this is just the only way through the hospital and everything else logistically and that I was able to make it work. So it was a total of three weeks. It takes a couple of days to get into the country because the Ukrainian airspace is completely closed, obviously. So everything has to be done by ground transportation. From what I've read during that time, you were involved in treating soldiers and civilians scarred by combat hostilities. This included dislodging shrapnel from flesh, repairing vital tissue, reconstructing skulls, and much more. You provided this treatment in difficult conditions and without access to some of the medical tools and technology we're fortunate to have in America. In Ukraine, you had to rely on outdated and limited tools to treat some horrific injuries. I don't want to be gratuitous, but can you describe for us what the conditions were like in that atmosphere and some of your thoughts and emotions as a witness to that devastation? Yeah, I think there is always going to be an initial shock for anybody when you go to that type of environment, you know, in a war zone, and just seeing the type of injuries that soldiers and civilians are being subjected to is very horrifying is the only word I can really use to describe it. Fortunately, I think that the Ukrainian neurosurgeons are very good, but there is definitely an adjustment to seeing that every day and seeing it multiple times every day. It's just not something that we see here in the U.S. I'm sorry, I don't know if I answered your question. No, (laughs) yeah, you definitely did. And that kind of ties into my next question. So I have to imagine that this was a life-altering experience. In what way would you say your perspective or outlook has changed based on what you encountered? Yeah, I'd say, you know, the only way my perspective has been changed is that my reasons for going to the country have just been reaffirmed. And the reasons need for help have only been reaffirmed so I'd say that I'm even more motivated to do things here back at home now that I've returned to provide support and spread awareness. You know, I'm always a little bit hesitant to say, you know, when people go on medical missions abroad, I think it's always very different than things are back. It can be very different than things are here at home in the U.S. Yes, of course, I'm more grateful for the niceties and things that we have in the U.S., but... I wouldn't say that's an important change in perspective I've had. I think the most important thing is that it's reaffirmed that these are good people and they need our help. And not once when I was there for three weeks was anybody unkind. Everybody that I met in multiple different cities, small towns, trains, hearing their stories, these women and children who are, you know, leaving the country because They have to stay outside of the country for safety reasons or people that are coming back after months. Everybody has a story to tell, and they are just so grateful for any help that the outside world and the West can provide. And I think that was the most meaningful thing is that these are regular people like you and I. They like to go to cafes and drink coffee. They like good food. They like good company. They're being, unfortunately, subjected to this genocidal war of aggression and you know it it would just be like if something was like this was happening to your neighbor Um, and i think that's the perspective that people should take is that 
these are our neighbors and they need our help. Last November, the Virginia Hospital and Healthcare Association partnered with the Richmond Ambulance Authority, VCU Health, HCA Virginia, and the Northern Virginia Emergency Response System to donate an ambulance filled with medical supplies that was shipped to Ukraine to support relief efforts over there. As part of the U.S. Ambulances for Ukraine initiative, you volunteer your time and risk your safety to get involved. For people who might want to help in their own way, do you have any thoughts about programs or charities that could use some support? Yeah, there are a lot. I will name three that I have been working with that I can vouch for their work. The first one is Razum, which means together in Ukrainian. And they have a very large presence here in the U.S. I was on the ground with these guys and these guys and girls, women and men in multiple different parts of the country. I'm not going to say where, but they have warehouses of supplies that they then have all these truck drivers pack up and distribute. They're packing, you know, medic packs with all the essentials like tourniquets and things, and then they just drive them to the front line. They're involved in things like blood distribution centers, showers for soldiers, you know, everything that's essential, uh, medical equipment they are doing, and they're doing it in a very efficient manner, and they get the things where they have to go, and I can say that firsthand. I've seen it and I've seen their warehouses and I've seen that they're just working day and night to get this stuff where it has to go. It's not just sitting in a warehouse. And the other one is HealCorp, H-E-A-L-C-O-R-P. I had the privilege of sitting next to the president and founder, Larry Miner, on my plane ride back from Ukraine. They are doing wonderful things like setting up sort of field hospitals and also training. There's a lot of training that needs to take place. You know, typical paramedic in the United States, you know, who's in the back of the ambulance providing care goes through about two years of training. And you can just imagine the medics in Ukraine don't have time to just sit around for two years and learn. So they're doing crash courses in pharmacology and medical treatment within six weeks. Larry's really been spearheading that training with his team of doctors and other medics and things like that. And so I think those are all very good charities. If people want to donate, they're, you know, they always need funding and that funding is being put to the right place. I have one other charity. It's Matter, M-A-T-T-E-R. Just needed to remember them. And I've been working with Joel Anderson there. He's done over 10 trips to Ukraine and they're really involved with medical supplies procurement, um, specialized things. Right now I'm working with him to sort of get more electric drills to um, the Mechnikov Hospital. And they're really good at doing that. You definitely do not have to go to Ukraine to provide assistance. I am very sure of that. You know, and it's going to Ukraine has its inherent risks. I think that it's maybe a little bit safer than people think back home in the U.S. I was obviously nervous to go at first, but I think the media sort of has this portrayal of Ukraine where it's this place where missiles are just falling down every second and buildings are getting blown up and destroyed. It's not like that at all. It's very peaceful. And then there are bouts of, you know, parts of the day where air raid sirens go off and there are unfortunate random strikes in different areas, but it's a very large country. Any type of work you can do from home is extremely important. And I'd say, you know, that's much more accessible for people here in the U.S. Spreading the word and raising awareness 
is hugely important. I think it is very unfortunate that support for Ukraine has become sort of looked at as an altruistic sort of thing. I can talk about that later, but this isn't, to me, an altruistic war. This is people fighting a war for us that we don't want to fight ourselves, and we should be doing everything we can to support them in this sort of genocidal war of aggression that Russia has done to them. Thank you so much. And thank you so much again for being with us today, Dr. Berlin. Before we let you go, we do have a tradition on the Patients Come First podcast to ask our guests a pair of personal questions to give listeners a sense of who you are beyond the work you do. To keep things interesting, we've got a list of 10 mystery questions. So please choose two numbers between 1 and 10, and I'll ask you the corresponding questions. Sure, I'll do uh, 2 and 8. Number two, if you were stranded on a deserted island, what one book, one album, and one movie would you take with you to keep yourself company? We'll spot you a copy of the religious text of your choice. So other than that, what are your three entertainment survival kit picks? One book, one album, and what was the last one? One movie. (laughs) The book? Wow. I really like reading it. That would be hard, but, you know, a book that I can read over and over and over again is The Hobbit. By J.R.R. Tolkien. Yeah, I probably have read it at least eight times. It just takes me to like a different place mm-hmm. outside of this world, which is always nice. One album, anything by Led Zeppelin was mm-hmm. really good in my in my book. I could just listen to that over and over again. I guess in terms of a specific album, I would say the Led Zeppelin Three remastered. That's a good one. And then, movie, you said, right? Yes. I really like The Thin Red Line. Maybe all men got one big soul. Everybody's a part of all faces of the same man. What's your name? you think you can make one single man in all this madness by terrence malick i think it's a war movie but secretly it's an anti-war movie if you really pay attention to the metaphors symbolism in that movie so i'd say that's my favorite movie awesome thank you and number eight tell me one memory from your life that whenever you think of it it makes you smile (laughs) my dog mickey he's a duck tolling retriever follows me everywhere and oh i guess it has to be a memory (laughs) yeah or you could talk about your dog we're cool with either (laughs) i just say my dog mickey makes me smile every day and remembering him at any point in the day will always make me smile including right now with him sleeping on the couch he's a uh, nova scotia duck towing retriever it's like a golden retriever but half the size and he's just the sweetest sweetheart of a dog you've ever met so he always makes me smile I'm smiling um, just listening to you talk about him. That's awesome. (laughs) Well, that brings us to the close of another episode of the Virginia Hospital and Healthcare Association's Patients Come First podcast. If you like what you heard, please make sure to leave us a five-star review on Apple Podcasts and subscribe so you know when new episodes are released. And we want to once again thank our guest, Dr. Connor Berlin, for joining us today. So thank you. Great. Thank you so much, Lena. Great speaking with you.